I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co-host tonight, Pat Ralph, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W. Using X's and O's, along with key stats, we bring honest and critical analysis. We're talking Game 5. We got Game 5s all around us, Pat. Game 5, Game 5. It is great. I mean, this is a huge night for the league. The fact that last year, you look at, you know, last year in both semifinals, uh, ended in sweeps. Uh, L.A. took out Phoenix in three. Washington was taken out in three by Minnesota, which led to obviously a great finals. But we didn't have – this year we've got two game fives, decisive winner-take-all games, Tuesday night in the WNBA. This is one of the biggest nights in the league's history. Uh, I can't overstate that enough. And I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not the only person that shares that opinion. And this is a big night. And um, – you know, it's it's going to be must-watch TV, uh, both games, and I think they're both going to be outstanding. If they've been any indication of what these two series have been so far, tomorrow night should be awesome. Not just for you know for the players and coaches involved, but for fans. Like this is great, and this is what you get involved to have a double header of two elimination games. This is like we had last week, you know, when we had um, those single elimination games, uh, where it's like you know, winner goes home, winner moves on, loser goes home. We've got two of those tomorrow night, so. I think tomorrow it's going to be great. It's it's going to be ridiculous. I mean, let, let's start off with Phoenix and Storm. Uh, and before I get into that, I want to, you know, kind of add to what you were saying. Just the, the look, I mean, a lot of a lot has been said about the, the playoffs this year. And, you know, with Minnesota and L.A. really dropping off so early, there was concerns about the ratings and the and the viewer and the interest from fans because these weren't as big names they didn't have the 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 name recognition that we've heard over the past few years but like let's be honest i mean you got two game fives coming up you got multiple storylines and many more eyes on the league i don't know if it's because the links and the sparks fell out early so people were like oh what's going on that these powerhouses are out early there must be some great basketball going on but whatever the case is i mean these finals have been amazing and amazing for the league. So let, let's get into Phoenix versus Seattle. Yeah. Pat, game one, or the uh-huh. first two games, same yeah. score, 91-87, yep. the Storm win. Yeah. And we chatted about this. I kind of wrote the Mercury off. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to lie. And then two games later, interesting enough, the Mercury score the same amount in those next two games, 86 points. But in those next two games – that's enough to get the win. Yep. So I want to ask you, just from looking at the box scores, does it come down to Phoenix's defense? Because Phoenix, when they won, I mean, they're scoring 87 and 86 in all four games. Right. When they've won, it's been because they've been able to hold Seattle's offense in check. Yes. Uh, do you think it's, is that oversimplification? Um, a little bit. And let's and let's break that down. Now, their defense was really good in game three. I mean, you held Seattle's 66 points, a team that averages – Correct me if I'm wrong, in the ballpark of around 89 points per game. That's insane. That was a great defensive performance. Sue Bird was awful in that game. Jewel Lloyd was awful in that game. So you take those two out of it. You They took out their guard play. and But like in game four, you go and look at the box score. I mean, Seattle, I've got it up right here in front of me right now. I mean, Seattle shot 49% from the field and 40% from three. I mean, that's not necessarily you know locking a team down. I mean, Stewie had, a, Stewie had 22 and 8. You had Alicia Clark put in 13. Natasha Howard has played really well in this series, had 14. So, And Jewel Lloyd had a little bit of a bounce back game in 11. Um, so I wouldn't say it was totally Phoenix's defense, I think, that necessarily – I think it played really well in game three. I think 
in game three. I think what if you want to look at defensively, I think what it is is that it's less about that, but I think what it is is that it was Phoenix's defense, I think, was the reason game three. But I think game four, and it goes back to game three, I think the commonality is the absence or struggles of Sue Bird. And that Seattle, yes, Brianna Stewart is their MVP and their best all-around player. But as Sue Bird goes, the team goes, and she's the floor general. She is the point guard, and she sets the tone. And she didn't play well in game one. Here's her stats from game one. She was um, 0 of 8 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. Um, she did have 11 assists, so she did you know share the ball around. Um, but she didn't score at all. She was a minus 26 in that game you know, when she was on the floor. So other than her assists and dishing, she wasn't doing much positive in that blowout. Um, and then obviously you know the broken nose. She goes out. She was playing well to start, but so she was playing better when she was on the floor. But then seemed like after she went out, and you saw that, that game seemed to turn a little bit at the end of the second quarter, into the third quarter, and then really in the fourth quarter. You know, that game turned when she went out with that broken nose. That was a momentum changer, um, not just in the game, but maybe in this whole series. And I felt like that when Sue Bird is not playing well, that threw them off. And because she just sets the tone for them offensively. And I think that's what you saw there is that I think it was Phoenix's defense in game, uh, in game, uh, in game three, excuse me. And in game four, I think what they were benefited from is that you took out the main facilitator for Seattle and that allowed them to, you know, gain momentum and get back into that game. But I think you're right. I think Phoenix's defense as a whole, though, has been better in these last two games. Though. I will agree with you on that. Uh, well, what I want to ask you is. For me, there's a turning point in this game, um, mm-hmm. or sorry, in this series, and it yeah. was game two, and it wasn't the part where Diana Taurasi hits like uh, 30 points in, in by herself to make this happen. No, no, no. There was a point where they had an 18-point lead, Mercury making that comeback. I don't remember how many points exactly it was. It was right after a steal and just easy layup by, I don't even know who was on the Mercury, and that's not what it really is important. What's important is the body language I saw from the storm. I saw mm-hmm. Sue Bird, while the bleeding was happening, running around, yelling at everybody, not, not in a negative way, um, but more so in a, everybody, what are you doing? Natasha Howard, shoulders down, head down. Alicia Clark, shoulders down, head down. Brianna Stewart, shoulders down, head down. Jewel Lloyd, like everybody had this, this beaten look on their face and they were up in the game and they were up one zero in the series. And at that point, and I think I brought this up in an episode with Rachel, you and I, I said, I'm concerned now not to throw Rachel under the bus because she's not on this episode. But what I will say is, you know, a lot of people, she wasn't the only one jumped forward. I believe you said this also and said, this team is now battle tested Mm -hmm. because we saw them withstand that comeback. And they still pulled out the win. To me, with that said, and I said this before, is that 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 wrote, that raised some eyebrows for me, raised some concerns. And yeah. and the next two games, I mean, those concerns are are the game, that's, right? That's what it is. Do you right. think that? I mean, I don't know. Do you think that is this game? Is this series over for Seattle? I think no. that's a ridiculous statement to make. But like, you know what I mean. Yeah, I understand. What you're I think that's a little bit of a hot take. I'm going to call you on that. <laughs> I think here's the thing. I think no, no, and I think like I think I think you're. I'm not saying you're wrong and stuff with that analysis. I think you make a good point that like yes, and we've talked about this and like that Seattle. The concern with them coming into this playoffs was like, what's going to happen when a game gets tight and can they close out games? And we've seen that 
They couldn't do it in game two. I mean, they did in the overtime and they salvaged it. And the fact they were a bounce back. And I think that counts for something because a lot of other teams would just rolled over and just said, you know what? We blew a double digit lead. We've lost all the momentum. We're done. And they rolled up and they, they fought back and they got that win. Um, game, game four. I mean, they had a double digit lead. And I mean, I think a part of it was the absence of Sue Bird. I think really not, you know, really, um, you know, I think that uh, threw them off a bit. But I think it's also concerning yeah, that they blew that double-digit lead still. I mean, you would expect a team of that caliber with a one seed to hold that lead. Um, and I know it was on the road, but still, you'd think they might hold it. But um, uh, So I, think, I, don't think, you know, I don't think it's fair to say Seattle's done. They haven't lost at home yet. I mean, Phoenix still has to show us that they can go into Seattle and win. I mean, they didn't win game one or two. I mean, that's the thing with this series. Every, the home team is undefeated. And I think that should count for some. It's like Seattle is really good at home. They're gonna be. They're gonna feed off that crowd. That crowd is nuts, and they're gonna be loud tomorrow night. But Pat, if there's if there's any yeah. team that has that road composure, that road yes. ability to win, yes, it's Phoenix. At least this season, it has to be right. I mean, it's Phoenix. This yes, is, this is storybook. Right, right. This is that's the you're you are right though. If there's a team that can do it. It is Phoenix, and they have the player that can do it. And here we go. I'm gonna say it. 13-0 in winner-take-all games, Diana Taraza. We know it. It's going to be said a million times tomorrow night when you're watching. We're recording this on Monday. When, if you're listening Tuesday, so that's why I said tomorrow. But, you know, we're – Diana Taurasi, she is – like, this is what she lives for. I'm writing about this for the site. Like, she is – it's going to come down to her. And you know what? This is the scary thing. Phoenix won both games, and she was okay. She wasn't, like, amazing. She scored – 24 combined points in the two games. She was really bad in game three. She was better in game four, but she wasn't her signature self. She was much better in the first two games in Seattle. And yet somehow Phoenix won both games. So for Seattle, you've got to be a little bit concerned. It's like, well, she didn't really go off in those two games and they got back into the series. And you know she's going to come out ready to go tomorrow on Tuesday night because she just she rises to the occasion. She shows up in the biggest moments and stuff. So Yes, you're right. If any team can do it, it's Phoenix. But I don't think it's fair to say that Seattle is done because they're going home. They haven't lost at home yet. Phoenix still has to show that they can win it in Seattle. Like we've got to see it. And I think, you know, Sue Bird, um, you know, yeah, I think Sue Bird being back, the fact that she's going to play um, is huge for them. And like, let's see what happens. And if she plays well, like if she can set that tone early, we'll see what she's like in those first few minutes. And if she's comes out ready to play and she's healthy and she looks fine, then like good then then that's good for Seattle. But if she comes out not shooting well and she's not able to make shots and really assert herself offensively, not able to get to the rim, uh, then they're in trouble. And I just think also too, like from a statistical standpoint, and then I'll send it back your way. Like also too, like Seattle is, and I know this is crazy, maybe I'm holding on to a too much of a baggage thing here or some too much of a of a philosophy thing, but like Seattle is the only team left of these four that is that is ranked in the top four in both offensive and defensive rating. And if they lose, then this is going to be the first time, unless Phoenix or Atlanta or Washington, whichever one, unless one of them moves into it, which it doesn't seem likely right now, we're going to have a champion for the first time in 10 years that doesn't do that. And that's just a big historical thing. So it just seems history would say that Seattle is going to come out on top tomorrow night. But I don't know, man. I mean, it's really – it's like you said. If there's a team that can do it, it's Phoenix. It's. Uh, I'm just going to make three points, and, and then we'll make our predictions. Yeah. Point number one, Brittany Griner has stepped her game up 
Bingo. very noticeably Absolutely. in the past two games. Yes, That's been yes. a huge reason for the success. Yes, 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 yes. Continue. Point number two, Duana Bonner for MVP, Duana Bonner for president, Duana Bonner for anything she freaking wants. She yeah. is mm-hmm. a player who under underrecognized, yep. not underutilized. And this playoffs, if they win, I mean, I think, yes, you know, Tarasi's done Tarasi things. But Bonner, and we've talked about this all season, Bonner for MVP. I mean, the lack of better terms, Bonner right. for MVP. Because right now, this is what's important. The last thing I, I want um, is real quick, mm-hmm. let's imagine – the clock hits zero. It's 86-86. Yep. Everyone's exhausted. Everyone's beat. So, fantasy world, Sue Bird versus Diana Taurasi, one-on-one, winner-take-all, go into the finals. Who do you got your money on? I can't you can't turn your money down on DT, you know? You'll just eat it, you know? <laughs> no, I'm, no, no, I'm putting uh, – one-on-one, I'm putting my money on Sue Bird. You heard it from here. You wow. Wow. I'm, I'm just going to say, at this point in the career, Tarasi's not going to play any defense. Sue Bird's going to exhaust her. That's fair, fair. And just going back to your point there on Dewan of Honor, I mean, she's been – here's the thing. Diana Tarasi's probably had the highest highs from Phoenix. She can hit the highest highs. and But here's the thing with, with, with Dewan of Honor. She's got the highest floor. And she can. she's the most consistent. And it's like you said, she has been the most consistent player on Phoenix throughout this entire – playoff run she is there's never been a night where like wow she didn't play well she's played really well throughout this entire series like you said she's been their mvp in that regard uh yeah i couldn't agree more um all right let's do it we've been putting it off long enough uh i'll I'll go first on this one so you can go first on the next one i i just i gotta put my money on phoenix i mean yeah uh, we've talked about this whenever we've made our predictions my gut says Phoenix. My mind says Seattle. Mm-hmm. But so I'm, I'm going with my I'm going with my gut. Phoenix wins. Cool. I'm. Uh, I agree with you. My gut says Phoenix. My mind says Seattle. But I'm going to lean more with my mind on this one. All right. We're gonna. I'm going to go with Seattle. Um, I think they bounce back. I think getting Sue Bird back. I think she's going to play better at home, and she sets the tone as she goes. The team goes. I think if she can come out. I think the first few minutes are going to be so important. Because she can come out and set the tone offensively. She can get to the rack and get everyone involved. You know she's going to get everyone involved. But if she can get to the rack and get opportunities, I think that Seattle will follow suit. Stewie will get going. The rest of them will follow suit. Jewel Lloyd, Natasha Howard, Jordan Canada, the rest of the gang will get going and get in on the fun. I think Seattle is – I think that you know they're going to be at home. Um, I like Phoenix too. I, and that's the thing. Like I'm saying this with the thought of, I can just see myself tomorrow night with my jaw drop, seeing Diana Trazzi put 35 on them and Phoenix wins. And they're in the finals on Thursday night. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if Phoenix wins. I'm going to go with Seattle at home. They do it. And I just, I think they're just the better team. And I think, um, you know, I think from Seattle standpoint, I think there's two as- angles you can take it. Like I said before, there's one angle. If you're Phoenix, it's like we won twice at home. Uh, and DT didn't play well, and we're tied, and we're in this series. Seattle can look at it and say, we lost by two on the road, and Sue Bird was out for half the game. We only still lost by two. So depending on how you look at it, it's you can interpret it different ways. I will go with Seattle for uh, to play devil's advocate against your Phoenix pick. You're a jerk. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I, there is one thing I wanted to add because I just thought about it while you were talking there. Yeah. Is 
seeing these late play actions and these late calls and the way that Seattle's reacting to these high pressure situations, I'm being reminded a lot of Seattle early in the season. Um, uh-huh. And honestly, a play that comes to mind, I don't remember who they're playing, but it was a last second game. Jordan Canada has the ball and she's the one who did the inbound. And I believe she muffed the inbound. They end up losing the game. And honestly, that kind of resonates with me right now. So what I want to see from Seattle is them handling high pressure, high pressure situations. And right now, I just flat out don't have the faith. Again, my mind says they're going to win, but my gut right. says no. Moving on to DC versus Atlanta, um, kind of a, a cliff note in my mind is mm-hmm. neither team has really played that well this series. Yeah. Um and the reason I say that, a lot of people can point to me and say, well, you're talking about Mystics have had really good parts, except when Deladon goes out. For me, Atlanta, and, and I'm not going to claim to be wise enough to know whether this is Atlanta not playing well or D.C. playing that well. Yeah. But I just have not been impressed at all by Atlanta's defense this whole series. Um, and that's kind of been the cornerstone of who they are. Yes. So for me, I don't have a lot of faith in Atlanta right now. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. not to say that I have a lot of faith in D.C. Yeah. So, Pat, hype me up on somebody because someone's got to. <laughs> well, well, I think somebody's got to, you know, I don't know. If this game's any indication, I think this this game is go- this game like the other is going down to the wire. And I think you look at it and I think it's simply and I'm going to start with this because I think that you have to. There's there's the player and the, the, the storyline around this that this series centers around. And it's Elena Deladon. And I know it can be sounds like it can be overstated, but it can't like. Just look at how Washington has played with her and without her on the floor. You were at the two games in D.C., man. Like, how different were they? Just from telling me, and then I'll come back and keep going, but how different did they look compared game three without her and game four with her on the floor? Honestly, it's, it's the confidence level, 100%. When, when she wasn't on the floor, you could see the whole team was a little bit shook. Yeah. They weren't. They talked about this in the post-game conference, press conference. They are used to getting open looks because Elena Deladon draws so much attention. They weren't getting those open looks. Now, their shooting percentage in game three was horrible. Yes. Just horrible. Yes. Yeah. Coach talked yeah. about that. And that's the thing. And like part of it they... happens to be the mindset. What? Oh, no. Keep going. So sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Well, no, no, no. So, like, part of it has to be that you don't have these open shots. Yeah. So – you're a little bit less fluid with it when you take your shots. You're not as used to having somebody in your face. The other part of it was just lack of confidence. And on, they honestly, they're, they're very similar things. Birds of a feather, if you will. <laughs> Game four, when you bring Deladon on, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Deladon did not look so fluid out there. She looked a little, not rusty. She looked perfectly fine in that regard. But she wasn't moving, you know, like we're used to seeing her move, which is fine. Right. But the thing that stood out to me more so was Atlanta, like, honestly, it looked like Atlanta didn't do, didn't know who she was. Yeah. It, they looked like it, like this is a player who was coming off of, like, two years being out. Right. You don't know what she's going to be. They were worried about, punch, like, pushing her, giving her some, some, some physicality. Right. And she was just getting open looks. Right. If you take away, like, the four open looks that Elena Deladon had, three of them, I want to say, from three-pointer, uh, this is a different game. And, and in all honesty – that's that was the most telling thing to me. Right when Elena Deladon came back and Atlanta didn't pin her down as someone that they needed to focus on, that said more than enough, and that's why like I'm leaning towards DC to win this game. Yeah, and Nick, you I mean look at this, Elena Deladon yesterday, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 
not her traditional, like, you know, she can score a lot more than that. But what was it? She got involved in other ways in the game. She let the game come to her. She didn't try to force it and say, I got to come out here and put 25, 30 points to carry this. No, she didn't come out there with that. She came out there saying, let me see how I'm feeling. Let's take it easy. She was a plus 24. The Mystics were plus 24 with her on the floor. That was the highest of anyone on the team. So clearly the stats back it up that the team is better when she's out there. This is why she was in the MVP discussion. This is why she finished third in MVP. This is why she has won MVP. She has that kind of impact. And like, I think Washington has clear-cut been the better team in this series when she's on the floor. Game one, when she was on the floor, 32 points, they won. Game two, when she was on that floor and she was playing until she got injured, I thought they were going to win that game, man. I thought they were going to win and go up 2 nothing. Then she comes they up. Definitely, they definitely win that if, if, she, if she plays. If she finishes it out. Game two, she goes off. That offense completely, like you said, they're shook. They completely shrink. Um, Atlanta's defense just it feeds right into Atlanta's defense. They completely take them out of anything offensively. They were double-teaming Tolliver and everything, and Atlanta won. And then, again, she doesn't play game three, and Washington is a terrible offensive game. And then you go to game four. She comes back, and the Mystics are just lightening up and just having her, that confidence, that swagger she brings, and she just having her presence on the floor just opens up other, other opportunities for her teams. I think when she's on the floor and she's playing – they are the better team, and that's what I've taken from them. And yesterday, watching them on Sunday, that like you said with Atlanta, that had to be the worst I've seen them play defensively all year. And like you said, like they, I see a lot of good stuff, but like a lot of times I'm just like, whoa. And I think that their problem right now is it's Elena Deladon, and I think that it can't be overstated. Like she is the center focus, and she shifts where this series goes just by her presence on the floor. She she's making Jessica Breland look like a bystander, and Jessica oh. Breland this season specifically oh, is not a bystander. Gosh, you're right. You're right. At all. Continue. Something something I want to turn our attention to: two players that, in my mind, are keys to this Atlanta Dream team, and that's because of their offense. And that's Alex Bentley and Tiffany Hayes. Mm-hmm. Tiffany yeah. Hayes goes four for twelve. Yeah. And twelve points in game four. Yep. Okay. And Alex Bentley drops 11 points. She was negative 16. I mean, Tiffany Hayes was negative 25. She's, Alex Bentley's negative 16 goes 5 for 13 and 1 for 6 from 3. Now, obviously, she has that confidence and she'll be back. I don't see a way that Atlanta wins without Alex Bentley playing top-notch and Tiffany Hayes playing top-notch. And, I look, I have a lot of confidence in both those players, a lot more in Tiffany Hayes than I do Alex Bentley. <laughs> The question I've been asking this whole series, and I want your take on it, Pat, is as great as Tiffany Hayes is, you know, she's the snub, and we've seen the amazing article about how all she wants is a championship. In my opinion, offensively, she is not – like I mean, this team has, has relied on her so much, and she has not shown up in certain games in certain ways for this team. Um, it, what, what can Atlanta do to get her open out in transition early in the game? Because to me, that's how you get her moving, and that's how you kind of – get her heated up by getting her in transition and let her kind of, yeah. you know, play, play some ball like that, you, play some street ball. Well, you play it perfectly, and this is the thing where Atlanta, one of the big reasons why they lost yesterday is, you know, it comes to who wins the rebounding battle. I mean, you've got to take care of the glass. I mean, you're not – you've got to be able to – you know, you've got to be able – because if you can control the glass and you can limit second-chance opportunities for Washington – well, then you're able to get out and go. And if you can rebound and go and get going and limit 
you know, hold Washington, you know, and it starts defensively. It all starts. Everything's connected. If you play better defensively, you're going to give Washington, you know, contested, harder shots to take shots that they don't want to take, force them into bad shots. More less likely they're going to make them. You get rebounds. You got to control the glass. You get the rebound. You got to push it. So it comes, it's all centered on that. Defense leads to rebounding, leads to offense, and how they're able to get out in transition. And like I said, this, it's with Atlanta, and we've said this countless times before, and it's like a little bit, I just said with that other series, with Phoenix and Seattle, watch the first few minutes. That sets the tone for the game. If Atlanta can come out, and they've got Washington locked in a in locked in a, in a, in a, in a dungeon, they can't get anything going offensively, well then, Atlanta's in a good spot. But if Washington can come out, they're hitting shots like they did in game one, like they did yesterday in game four, then it's a problem. I think what it is, is that, Tiffany Hayes had a great game in Game 3, and I agree with you. Alex Bentley was huge in Game 2. I mean, she was outstanding. So they need those to get going, and I think you're seeing the wear and tear of not having an Angel McCautry on the floor. And I think that this is where it comes to bite when the chickens come to roost is that you don't have someone who can look, you know, who can really look, um, you know, Elena Deladon in the eye and go shot for shot with her, you know, on the floor. And um, I think that's what it is right now, and that's what it is about Washington. They've got someone who can single-handedly take over a game, and I think Atlanta is the better overall team. I think you probably, I think you probably agree with me on that. I'm curious what you think, but I think Washington has the best player, and at this time of the year, having the best player sometimes is what matters. I'm I'm gonna say this. There's been a lot of talk every time someone brought up Elena Deladon's injury. Uh, the Atlanta fans or, or some, oh, some yeah. media members <laughs> would, would rebuttal, would, would clap back with, look at what Atlanta's done without Angel. Now, I want to set the record straight. Both of them are top-notch players in this league. All right? But what you have to understand is, and this is not a knock against Angel McCautry in any way, shape, or form, because I'm a huge, huge fan of what she does. The, the D.C. team, the reason, and this is what I said before the season started, mm-hmm. And why I truly believe that this team was going to be better this year without Emma Miesman than they were last year. Yeah. And the reason is, is because Coach T has created a team that is centered around Elena Deladon offensively. Now, defensively, it's their own flow and they work really well and Deladon has those elements. But offensively, they have a, a kick out in Christy Tolliver. They have a speed option and... Somebody who can get to the hoop, but also nail shots in not only Atkins, but also in Cloud. And then you have a lanky, a lanky, just beast on the boards in Latoya Sanders. So what you're getting is a team that is literally like the nucleus is Elena Deladon, but everybody is built around her perfectly. And that's why this team has succeeded so well this year. Atlanta Dream is a team. They're not built around anybody on this roster. Right. They're really a team that says, okay, when these people are out, we're going to play this style of ball. When these people are out, we're going to play this style of ball. And that's part of the reason why Angel McCautry did not have that amazing of a season. Yes, she's an all-star. Yes, some people voted her for MVP. But let's be honest, statistically, she was not having one of her greatest seasons. And the reason was, and I'm sure she'll, she'll say this also, and I feel like she has said this to me, that she had to take a step back and kind of understand her surroundings more and be focused on this as a team. Right. And uh, it's worked really well. But but to what you're saying, this is the time where you would want that Angel McCautry because Angel still had those moments. 
when and and I guess the best comparison honestly I can make is to Seattle yeah. where Seattle has those moments where they kind of falter because they're a young team and they're so team oriented and they look to sue when when Atlanta has those moments of falter and they look to Angel Angel's on the sidelines and Angel's been doing a great job on the sidelines but that's really different than her ability to grab the ball slow everyone down now I'm going to point two fingers all right, right. to the teams right. that I'm as right. of now I'm predicting to lose Yep. Two fingers I'm pointing, and I'm going to say the keys for this game for their team to win. Finger number one is Renee Montgomery, uh-huh. and finger number two, Natasha Howard. Uh-huh. These are both players that have won championships. They know what it takes. They know about the hustle. And they're going to be people that, if Angel's not there, Renee needs to be that one to step up. Right. If Sue's not there, Natasha needs to be that one to step yep. up. Yep. And I would say, too, if I were to say my keys here, I'd say – I'd say the key, Matt, the key for me in Seattle is like I kind of alluded to before is Sue Bird. I mean, as she goes, they go. And I think Jewel Lloyd, too. I mean, Jewel Lloyd, I think, has to play better. I mean, she played better in game four than she did in game three. But I think she's got to be better, too. Um, and obviously for Phoenix, the difference maker in the two games, if you notice, has been Brittany Griner. And you mentioned that. And she has – she played – she needed to play better when they came back, when the shift had moved back to Phoenix. And she has. And she's been great. And she has been – she has been awesome. Um, and she needs to do that in game five on Tuesday night for Washington and Atlanta. The key is going to be, it's literally, it's literally Washington's offense against Atlanta's defense. And if Atlanta can defend Washington, can they force them into taking bad shots, contested shots, shots that they don't want to take, force them into those and be able to create steals, create turnovers, get out and run. Like you talked about getting Tiffany Hayes out and running, get that ball going. They need to do that. Um, that's what it's going to be for Atlanta. If Washington's able to start making shots early, if Deladon's able to start hitting shots early, if it's really going to be a problem, if Tolliver and Natasha Cloud are hitting shots early and Ariel Atkins and they're all hitting shots, then they're really in trouble because they're not going to be able to afford to, you know, sag off them to double team or, or put more efforts and send more resources Deladon's way. They're not going to be able to do that. So that's going to be the key matchup to watch tomorrow night. And as I said, watching the first few minutes, that will dictate it how that pace and tempo of that game is going. And one last thing, Atlanta egregious, and this is just unacceptable. And this is this is drives a coach nuts. And I'm sure Nikki was probably as angry, if not more angry, about this than anything else in from the game yesterday. And do you know what that was, Ari? What you want to take a guess? No, talk to me. They missed eleven free throws. They shot 14 of 25. They shot 56% from the line. That is unacceptable. You can't do – you're a professional. Those are free points. You've got to make those. You've left at least there. You're leaving at least six – at least six points, maybe more on the court there. You're going to miss a few. It happens. But you're leaving at least – you've got to make at least 20 of those. And – or at least maybe 19, 20. And, I mean, that's just unacceptable. And you're leaving points, and that's just – you can't do that. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, that probably alone drove the coaching staff nuts because that's just a fundamental. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's got to that's gotta drive you wild. So, real quick, Pat. Yeah. We're, we've run over on this one. That's okay. The fans talk love it. The fans love it. It's okay. They better. They better. <laughs> All right. Talk to me. D- D.C. versus Atlanta, game five in Atlanta. Who you got? I'm going with the Mystics. I mean, it's just what I said before. 
They've been the better team in this series when Elena Deladon has been healthy and on the floor. She makes a difference. Like you said, she brings a confidence and swagger to this team. This is a different team when she's out there than when she's not out there. And I think she's going to be out there. And they've been they have just been the better team in my eyes. And I think if this game gets close and down the wire, they've got the person who can they can give the ball to and can get a bucket and you know have you could put your bet money in. And I believe in that. So I am going to go with the Mystics on the road, close out this series, and I think the Mystics are in the finals. What do you think? I I like to disagree with you, so I'm going Atlanta. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And, and, and honestly, you made my life easy going first because I didn't know who I was going to pick, but now I get to disagree with you. I'm going Atlanta by four. Wow. Oh, you're right on the line. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so let let me hear why Atlanta. Is it simply just at home? Do you think their defense is going to get better? Honestly, honestly I don't think – I think, uh, and no offense to Atlanta, they have one of the worst home field advantages, uh, home court advantages in the league, at least in the playoffs, just based off of the attendance that I'm seeing. Um, I think they finally get their defense going. I think, you know, they, they had some elements of it before and they're just going to be embarrassed by what's gone on and they're not going to let themselves lose in a series that is so uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic of them. I think, I, yeah. I, I don't think they can go five games with such bad defense. Personal take. Yeah. I think they're going to be better. I do think they will be better defensively. I don't think you're going to see what they had. I don't think they're gonna, it can't get worse than Sunday. It, it, it can't in game four. Um, and I think they will be better defensively, and I think they will respond at home with a game five on their own floor. Um, you, know, you know, but I think you're right. I think they could win too, but I, I just, I, I just, I think Washington's been the better team. And I, I think the thing though is it's going to be a great game. And if it's been any indication so far, it's going to go right down to the wire. If it's been any indication of what this series has, because game four was an anomaly in the sense it was a blowout. You're not going to get that in game five. It's going to be down to the wire. And it's going to come down to who can execute down the stretch. I think in both games, it's going to be who can execute when the game is on the line and who can make plays when, you know, it's, you know, as I said, in the, in the last few minutes. When the clock's ticking and the time's running out, it comes down to that. I'm Arya Schwartz, along with my co-host tonight, Pat Ralph. This has been the WNBA Insider Show.